loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, my guest is Risi Palmer. Risi is at home in R&B, but made her mark in country, bringing the entire spectrum of popular music to bear on music she calls Southern Soul. In 2007, her debut album, Risi Palmer, was released with the singles Country Girl, Hold On To Me, and No Air, charting on the Billboard Country Chart. She followed with an independently released children's album, Best Day Ever, and an EP called The Back Porch Sessions. Her most recent release, Revival, has been critically hailed as her most personal and uplifting work yet. Reese is now the host of Color Me Country Radio with Reese Palmer on Apple Music. She's performed at the White House, Lincoln Center, and the Grand Ole Opry, has appeared on Oprah and Friends, CNN, and the CBS Early Show. She shared stages with Taylor Swift, The Eagles, and Charlie Crockett, and has been featured in Rolling Stone, The Wall Street Journal, People, Ebony, Newsweek, and The Huffington Post. Welcome, Reese. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to have you. And I'm, I, um, I have to start by saying, you know, sometimes I take a break from the work I do every day. And um, the concert where I first heard you was one of those moments. Uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, I really need some music. And a friend recommended a Zoom concert you were doing. And um, I'm like, great, you know, that's my perfect break. Listen to music, I've beautiful music I've never heard before. And then, of course, as I was listening, um, your story just intersected so perfectly with what I do on this show, which is how to, how to um, make something out of our losses. And so, joke's on me, I was still, uh, <laughs> that, that gear was still getting played at that concert and we'll talk more of that about that of course so and let's start there because um you lost your mother when you were a child and also have had a miscarriage and made songs about that and i'm going to ask you to sing a little from those later on but how do you think maybe do, do you think uh your creativity and finding voice in that way and your career has had to do with anything about having experienced loss or are they kind of two separate um, paths in your own? Um, mind? I mean, I honestly, I honestly feel like being a musician is a form of self therapy, self care mm. in a lot of ways. Um, I, um, you know, I learned really early on that anything that I couldn't process or that I was having a hard time processing, that if I sat down and tried to put it in song, I would immediately feel better. And 
So it's just always writing has always been, singing has always been an escape and very healing for me. So I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I am, I am profoundly shaped by some of the losses in my life because they've been such big losses, you know, like losing your mom when you're seven years old is really hard. And I don't think I really fully processed it until I became a parent. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and my child was the same age that I was. And then when I was, and ironically, I was the same age as my mother. At the same time, my daughter was the same age I was when I lost her. Mm. And that was a really weird kind of full circle moment. And I just realized how much I lost and how much I compensate with my own child because of that loss. And so, yeah, I, I think that I am my artist, really everything, my artistry and, and, my, and me as a person, I'm shaped by those losses. You know, uh, the, the part of me that sort of projects my own experience a little bit, uh, uh, when my wife died, um, one of the few things that I just had to do every day was sing. And there were there are these particular songs I had to sing, but it was mostly about that was the thing that most comforted me during that during that time. And so uh, I I really resonate with what you're saying that when you need to express something, there's something soothing about expressing it through music. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, like there's a reason why there's music therapy. I, I truly believe that. And sometimes it's therapy, even when we don't know it is, you know, <laughs> no, exactly. like what do people do when they break up? They listen to breakup songs, you know, <laughs> right? cry right. and cry, right? <laughs> no, music has a, um, it's a, that's why it's so sad that like music is not really an integral part of education right now um, because it, <laughs> it has profound, profound healing aspects and it's just i don't know like i said music in a lot of ways has saved me and Mm. continues to save me you you know i remember when um the infamous election happened (laughs) and i was so sad but then the next day i said to my wife i wonder what music will be written out of this time because that is what happens isn't it and then the next day i went to a concert where this uh, musician i love very much um sang a song she'd just written (laughs) you know so it was an immediate um reflection of that time in 2016 and that's continued to to happen no i (laughs) look i remember like so yeah, I was sitting on the couch with my husband and we were watching the returns come in. And, you know, I just was like, I don't even want to see, I already know what's going to happen. So I, I don't want to see the end of this. And I just remember saying to myself that, okay, if this is the administration, if this is what this country has decided to do, then I'm going to use my platform to try to speak up for all the people that are going to be othered 
and are going to be disenfranchised because of what this what this movement and this moment mean. And, you know, I think that as artists, you just, I, I feel like you have an obligation to say something in whatever way you decide to say it, but you should say something. I don't believe in, I don't subscribe to um, separating politics and music. I don't, because I feel like if you have, if people are listening to you, you should be saying something. Yes. And, you know, I also don't subscribe to shut up and sing. Like, no, <laughs> if you get to say something, so do I. Like I vote, I pay taxes <laughs> just like you. So I can say something. And if you don't like it, you have all the right in the world to turn it off. To so res and to respectfully disagree instead of right. disrespectfully. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you write seeds after that, Reese? I actually wrote seeds. It's funny. I wrote seeds in 2014. Um mm. I wrote it after, so I grew up in Eureka, Missouri, which is right outside of um, St. Louis. And um, I, you know, I actually, <laughs> I remember seeing Michael Brown on Facebook before mm -hmm. it made the national news. I remember mm -hmm. seeing people, it had gone around St. Louis Facebook, the pictures of his body laying in the middle of the street. Uh. And I remember seeing it. and. You know, I watched very eagerly as, you know, things progressed and, and, and once they announced just ironically, just like Breonna Taylor today, um, once they announced that the police officer was not going to be charged and the subsequent uprisings in Ferguson's, I just was like, I know, you know, I had a little, a little, little child at that point. And so I was like, I know I can't go to St. Louis right now, but I have to say something. Mm -hmm. And so I saw this quote, they tried to cut us down. They didn't know that we were seeds and it just stuck with me. And I started writing the chorus and um, maybe a few weeks later, I got with my collaborators, my frequent collaborators, and we wrote the song. So yeah, it was inspired by Michael Brown, but I, you know, I had no idea what was coming. <laughs> well, well, and and it's part of the same continuum, isn't it? I'm, oh, one point, you know, that that's it's not that things are new. It's that they're very, very loud right now. Would you agree? Oh, 100 percent. There is nothing. As my grandmother used to say, there is nothing new under the sun. It's just that. You know, a lot of, we have video cameras now and we have um, we have social media now and we have a 24 hour news cycle. So it's coming at you fast and furious. And like, yeah, a lot of people may just be uh, becoming hip to all this, but like people that people of color and, you know, other marginalized people have known since forever that this has been going right. on. Right, right, absolutely. Um, would you share just the maybe a little bit of seeds, maybe the chorus or uh, I'd love people to hear the sound and I know that it's got a that one in particular has a band behind it but I still oh sure words so much well I said I'll just I'll sing it when they bury our dreams we push them up through concrete we going where they can't see these roots run deep because we are seeds when we rise up no weapon can stop us 
No wall can block us. No hand can stop love. I said we are seeds. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter was part of a, um, when she was in high school, part of a theater company, theater and dance company called Destiny Arts. And uh, she was part of the, the kind of semi-professional company there. And they made a film her last year. They wrote a piece every year, the students did, and then put it on in the spring. So that theme of We Are Seeds was a big part of that performance and mm -hmm. so when i heard that song and saw the video you made about it i it took me right back to that moment watching her and all those beautiful young people um carry that message out <laughs> so thank you for, oh. for visceral memory of that moment yeah and um yeah <laughs> yeah it's a um it's a really um, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. It's kind of, a, it's a sad day. Um, the, and I'm, I'm just thinking about that song and like, I wish, I wish that messages like that were like, I wish they were old. I wish they were, um, not necessary. Yeah. Been on that. And then that breaks me around kind of to, um, the, the more global or the, the losses that hit us personally and also are part of the culture. So one way I think about that in, in terms of you is obviously you have an incredibly powerful voice and message. And, um, and yet I know that it was, even though you did get some play in country music, uh, racism really limited your reach. Uh, I think I got that impression just from listening to you. Is that how you would put it? Or um, some way a little different? <laughs> well, I think that, I'll say in some instances, I don't believe in every way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm one of those people I like to take a full look at things. And if there is um, some responsibility to be taken, I am fully, I try to be as self-aware as possible to take on that responsibility. And I will say that for my part, there are many business decisions that I wish that I had um, made and hadn't made. <laughs> and um, I think that everyone that was working for me for the most part did the best that they could with what they knew and what resources they had. Um, I think country music, I think the industry did the best that they could at that moment to try, I, I won't say everyone, but I will say, like, for example, I think the Grand Ole Opry embraced me and I, I very much appreciated that embrace. Mm. Um, I think that the, like, for example, CMA, um, the Country Music Association, I think that they 
they did the best they could embracing me in that moment. I think CMT did the best that they could embracing me in GAC, which I'm not sure even exists anymore, but they did a good job. Mm-hmm. But, and then some of the radio people, I think that they did their best. And there were a, a, a couple that I can think of just right off tops that were like champions for me. Mm. But country music is a hard industry for women. It just is. And, you know, with the dawn of Me Too and um, Tomato Gate a few years ago, it's, it's very loud and glaring that it's a hard industry for women. Right. And add to that being a black woman. And it's like a, it's like an extra, like it adds another few feet to your hurdle. Sure. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think that we navigated the best we could. And um, some people were just flat out. Like I remember a radio station in particular um, told my radio promoters that they could just stop calling about me because they were never going to play me. Oh, wow. And it didn't matter um, what they said or what they did. Like they had no, absolutely no interest in playing me. Um, I can remember some executives telling um, people that worked for my record label that it was a joke (laughs) for them to push me that a black woman would never be successful in country music. And this is a well-known executive. Mm. And um, yeah. And so there were lots of little stories like that. And, you know, and people... I think the overriding theme of a lot of my career was just my authenticity authenticity and sincerity being questioned at every turn. Mm. And that was hard. Like it's 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 not an easy thing when you walk into the room and you already know that the odds are stacked against you. And you know, I don't know. I think that um I'm taking the long way to answer your question, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And we're and it's about time for a break. And I have a feeling there's a little more for us to talk about here, you know, to put it in a broader context about kind of people's assumptions about country music and how they're not always right. And, you know, there's that whole layer to it as well. So let's come back and talk about it a little more so we don't have to rush it. Sure. And listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. I've also been sponsoring an organ organization called BetterHelp, and there's a link uh, to their services. They ha- do online therapy, and I've looked, taken a deep dive into what they do, and I, I respect it um, in terms of inclusivity, in terms of um, access and, and the rest. So check that out if you want to. And to find Reese Palmer, you can go to www.reesepalmermusic.com. It's R-I-S-S-I Palmer. Be back soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Reese Palmer, uh, about the losses in her life, that how that's affected her music, and the the more societal losses that impact um, us and have impacted her in particular ways. And we were talking before the break, Greasy, about you know the um, the particular way, perhaps how I would put it this way: how much country music is. Um, perceived and advertised as a kind of whites only uh obviously a few exceptions but kind of a whites only genre yes and and how that then affects someone like you who resonated with that music want, wanted to sing that music and how that kind of adds a layer and i think you were saying you can't always be sure what's contributing to the situation. But then if we look at like, um, uh, I'm blanking his name, but um, the country artist who did the, uh, the song about uh, riding a horse, um, he was taken off, wasn't he, Billboard? Oh, uh, you're talking about, uh, Old Town Road. Yeah, Little Old Town Nine Road. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I just had this conversation. Like, look, my issue with that and, and, and music is subjective, 100 um, percent. But country music has a history of being forgiving and allowing their artists to dabble in hip hop. You have Florida Georgia Line and Nelly. You have Tim McGraw and Nelly. You have Cowboy Troy. Um, and and Sam Hunt, who made like an entire um, uh, 
an entire mixtape of himself with trap music. Mm-hmm. And so it's always okay when these particular artists are allowed to make that music, it's fine. But I thought that it was interesting that Lil Nas X was the line that they decided was too far. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine, well, you can all guess, and I'm sure your listeners, if they haven't heard the song, they can look it up, but you can guess what's different about Lil Nas X and what's <laughs> right. about all these other artists with the exception of Cowboy Troy. And so, Even though he got Billy Ray Cyrus to do it with him, by the way. <laughs> right. Well, and once everybody made a big stink about it, and then once Billy Ray Cyrus stood up and was like, I'm going to be an ally for this kid, and now suddenly it's on the country charts. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, like, you have a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you have a big problem. And I think that it's, it's really interesting, again, I'll say it again, that that is the hill that country music decided to die on. And it's like, there's so much of the music that's being made by white artists that is pretty interchangeable with anything that you hear on pop radio. And so why is it okay for those artists to do that, but it's not okay for a black artist who's independent and circumvented the system entirely to have that same grace? And so to answer your question before about myself, No, I can't say definitively with 100% certainty that anything bad that happened in my career was because I was Black, but I also can't say with 100% certainty that it wasn't. And And you're you're left to wonder, aren't you? Right. And there are a lot of indications that maybe that did play a role. So, you know, yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) That's my answer to all of your questions. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, because... uh, because I'm so fascinated by the ways that sometimes loss leads to a certain kind of resiliency or adaptability or stubbornness or whatever. Uh, And sometimes it doesn't. Um, You have not been, um, what you said about your response to the election, uh, you know, I need to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a strong position, right? That's, that's um, kind of finding your voice to respond to your circumstances. And I can't rule out, it's the same thing with grief. I can't rule out that losses ultimately and the need to examine ourselves. For me, that absolutely, it happened as an adult, that absolutely led to more resilience. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no question about it because I know who I was as an, as an adult before that, right? But oh, I can imagine with you, it's hard to <laughs> hard to know. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it's I just I think what I carried away from my time in Nashville, because, you know, I ended up having to leave my record label and it was a long two year battle um, in court. And in the process, just a lot of loss, like I had to leave my apartment, I had to get a reg- like I. And like play the tiniest fiddle for me because like I had to get a regular job because I couldn't tour anymore and I couldn't play because I didn't own my name and I lost my voice. That's not a, I'm sorry that I can't go along with that being a tiny fiddle. No, I know. It was hard as music. That would be hard. Well, I feel bad saying that because there's so many people that like have to work these quote unquote regular jobs in life and and there's no shame in that like i had to make money so i had to get a job right so you know but i was 
I was put in a really, really messed up position. And um, I didn't have good feelings when I left the, the music business. And it took me a really long time to heal. And all the things that I am doing and have done for the past 10 years are in a lot of ways like self-care and are healing elements. And I finally feel like I'm at a point now where I can talk about it and like I and not cry. And also not just cry, not cry, but like also like have some have some sort of perspective about it. And and not be angry because I'm not. I'm not angry. I'm 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 resolute for sure because I feel like okay, well, I don't want anyone to ever go through what I went through. And I don't want I don't want any artist to ever feel as powerless as I felt at the end of my label experience. And I also don't want um, Nashville to, or the music industry, because this isn't just a Nashville issue. It's a, it's a music industry at, um, issue. Like everybody loves being black, but nobody wants to be black. And <laughs> I think that, um, I think that that applies across the board. Like, you know, everybody loves gay culture, but nobody wants to be, you know what I mean? But nobody wants to treat gay people like LGBTQ people, like humans. And so like they deserve rights and, you know, insert into that for me, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I just enter whatever your, your, your difference is into that blank space. And, and that's what it is. Like we all love diversity, but nobody wants to, to support, like a lot of people don't want to support diversity. And so I'm at the point in my life where I'm just like, let's talk about it. Like, let's say it out loud. Let's, let's name it. And then let's do something about it. Let's fix it. It's interesting what you say too, because your recent, uh, your recent record revival, which I love all of, thank, thank you for you. that. Um, there is a lot of self-reflection in it. And in some way that could come out of a time where you have to kind of go inward. I don't, I don't know how all the timing of all that worked out, but for instance, your song ghost about your, your mother, that's, uh, that's a healing song. To yeah, me. It's, um, I mean, it came from my family. Um, my family, my mother was the oldest of all of her brothers and sisters. And so, um, you know, I love my family and I'm thankful for my family. But like most families, we have some, <laughs> we got some stuff. <laughs> and I think that's mother, universal. Yeah, I, I can say. say <laughs> like, I, I don't think I'm hurting anybody's feelings by saying that. And I think that um, my mother unfortunately for better or for worse was the the referee for a lot of the mess mm -hmm. and when she left i think a lot of people were expecting me to kind of be that person and i want no parts of it <laughs> like <laughs> you didn't I, you didn't you didn't apply for that job huh yeah i'm like i'm not that's not what i do <laughs> And so like, you know, I, I, I run from dysfunction. I try to run from toxicity and as much as possible. And I just, I just, you know, I was told 
um, by one of, of my family members that, you know, you're nothing like your mother. And it was supposed to be an insult. And so that's where the song came from. It was just like, yeah, I'm nothing like you. I'm like you, but I'm nothing like you. And it's hard to live up to a ghost. It's hard to live up to um, someone who has become a legend in a lot of people's mind, who's become larger than life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think my mother wanted, I don't think that's the job that she wanted. I don't think mm-hmm. she wanted to be the referee, but she felt obligated to be that. And, you know, because I, because I know better and because a lot of therapy <laughs> and a lot of self-awareness and self-reflection, I realized that I don't have to be that. And so I'm not going to be that. And that's what, yeah, that's what um, yeah. ghost means to me. It, it made me, I, I want you to sing a little of it, if you will, in a minute, but it made me think about my daughters. I have three daughters and the ways in which they crashed up against me as they became themselves. Um, you know, in the kind of, I, I felt fortunate to have this developmental idea that we have to become ourselves, you know, and that, and that people who are 14 or 13 are not that good at... <laughs> You know, at doing that gracefully, but um, it was that collision that helped them figure out who they were, not me, if that yes. if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and so you had to try to do that without her to bump up against. Yeah, I mean, that's. I feel like a lot of my adult life has been trying to navigate living up to her, and also trying to heal a lot of the traumas that we share. Mm. And so that my daughter doesn't have to repeat those lessons. Yeah. 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 Cause you did your work. Could you share a little bit of that song with us? Sure. Um, I'll sing the verse. Okay. So, Oh mother, it's cold here in your shadow. The loving light I longed to find dim before I felt it shine. Your pictures like looking in a mirror. You're a stranger with my eyes. Gave me life but no goodbye. But you're not carrying my cross. I can't get that kind of help. You die trying to save everyone. I'm just trying to save myself. Yeah, that that one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, the, the thing that stands out is that you actually do have a very large um, desire to have a voice and to have impact which does affect other people. Uh, you know, I'll speak for myself. It affects me the way that, the way that you have of expressing um, the dilemmas we're all, we're all floating in here. Um, so not the way she did it, clearly. Yeah. But <laughs> you do have an impact in your life. I, I'm sure you'd agree. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I have this, you know, 
sometimes I work a lot with people who are trying to deal with uh, early loss like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there's often like a blank space. It sounds like that didn't happen with you. People did talk about your mother, you know, she was a presence in her absence. Yes. Um, <laughs> which, which is, which is plus and minus, I guess. No, but, she was a uh, large presence. Yeah. A large presence. Yeah. Um, not always helpfully to you, it sounds like, but perhaps better than the alternative, which is, uh, which a lot of my clients have experienced, you know, their mother dies when they're that age and then she's never spoken of. And yeah. um, hmm. that's, yeah. that's a terrible, uh, you know, how do you deal with that? <laughs> this oh, it's, very important person is suddenly completely disappeared. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I'm, I'm very thankful that my parents, um, and I say my parents, I mean my father, and I don't like to call her my stepmother. Like she's my mom too. Mm -hmm. um, but my Your second mom, mom. Yeah, my second mom. And I think that they did an awesome job of balancing my mom and my need to talk about her and to ask questions about her. And they helped to balance some of the other narratives that I was getting about her. Mm. And, um, you know, they, they made her more real. Like Absolutely. they didn't, they didn't bash her. Like I, they didn't bash her or anything like that. They just, you know, they made her real. And, a, a real person. Yeah. And people are really dead when they're, when they're only heroic, right? Right. <laughs> it's not right. real. Let's take another break and then we'll come back and talk some more. Listeners, you can go find me at weatheringgrief.com, my website or the Good Grief Host page. Uh, and links to everything are on the host page as well. And you can find Reese Palmer, Palmer at www.rissipalmermusic.com. Back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. 
To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I've been talking with Reese Palmer about her music, about the losses in her life and how uh, how she's navigated those, including how they've come out in her music and how that's helped in her healing from various things. And um, I was I was wishing that everyone would have the kind of of presence that you're talking about um your dad and and second mom creating for you where uh it's free there's an open space to talk about the person that's been lost and um you know where you're not supposed to just pack it up yeah (laughs) because that that just happens so often uh and it and it does a different kind of damage i think oh yeah 100 percent. no i'm I'm very thankful like they they prevented me um yeah they prevented me from from a lot of pain and Mm -hmm. i i tell them that all the time like i'm just thankful that you guys were the way that you were Mm. and then there's another loss in your life that we kind of referred to earlier but didn't really talk about too much that uh in general there's not much room to talk about uh i don't know the details whether you had a miscarriage or you know what but um your song you were here um could you talk about that some sure um it was a miscarriage um we were um at the point where we were we should have been able to hear the baby's heartbeat and to know um we were entering the second trimester and um i was uh you know i felt like i could i could tell people and we had actually just told my daughter and um my nine-year-old and um it was father's day Mm. the day that it happened and um yeah it's i don't think people talk about it enough and so um because i was just completely i felt like like as I talk about it now, I'm kind of at a loss for words because I don't really know how to describe the feeling. Like mm-hmm. you, all this anticipation and excitement and, and looking forward, cause we were, we were very much looking forward to having a second child and mm-hmm. um, a lot of hope. And my daughter was so excited cause she had wanted a little, little brother, little sister for years. And um, to have it all kind of just taken away at one time and then to to compound the the sadness was the way we were treated um the way that i was treated like in the health care system um i live in north carolina and there's a lot of laws um and i won't get into all that because that's a separate conversation but there's a lot of laws that prevent you from making um decisions definitive decisions when you're faced with um, a miscarriage and lots of waiting, lots of talking with several doctors before you can make a definitive decision. And 
because of that, I was forced to go. Something that could have ended in a couple of days lasted like a week and a half. Oh my goodness. And that seems like torture to me. Yeah, it was. And um, maybe one day <laughs> we can talk about it because it, it was awful. It was awful. And um, so like, yeah, I'm, you're left to kind of, I was left to feel like a tomb to be perfectly honest with you. And um, it was traumatic and it was traumatic for all of us. And um, because like I ended up having to go to hospital at three o'clock in the morning and my daughter found me um, in the bathroom. And so without getting graphic, it was, it was, it was awful. And so um, I, there were days where I just didn't want to get out of bed. Yeah. And um, I had to work. Like I had obligations that I had our contracts that had already been signed and everything. And so I had to work and um, I took a week off and that was it. And then I went back to regular life. And if it weren't for my girlfriends, if it weren't for the people in my life that had experienced this, I don't know that I would have been able to get through it. And I have, I had a really great therapist at the time and um, several months later, she said to me, you need to do something to memorialize this or else you're not going to let it go. Cause I would see pregnant women and just start sobbing. Absolutely. And, um, you know, anytime I saw a new baby or anything, I just cry. And so she suggested I have a, a funeral. I didn't want to do that. Um, so I decided, you know, what my, what my passion is, what my gift is, is music. And so I'm going to memorialize this child in song because this was my child and this person existed and they mattered. And so I wrote, you were here, um, with my two frequent collaborators, Deanna Walker and Rick Beresford and cried the entire time we wrote the song. And it was the last song written for the album and the last one recorded. And I tell you, like, it felt like a release. Mm, yes. And I, I, it like physically felt like a weight, like 50 pounds off my back. And yeah. And I sing it now and it's not, it's sad, but it's not sad. Like, cause it makes me think about my baby and it makes me think about their memory. And I'm very thankful to say that we had a, we got pregnant again, um, maybe six months after it happened, seven months after it happened. And um, I have a, as you heard earlier, I have a very <laughs> spirited <laughs> um, uh, one-year-old now, um, little girl named Nova, and she's amazing. And we can't imagine our lives without her. And so, you know, I'm very thankful that, um, you know, I'm glad that we made it through the experience and it's something that I wanted. I didn't want any other woman to feel the shame and um, the angst and sadness that I felt. And it, you're also you're also lucky that you had friends who didn't throw out the standard stuff that doesn't allow for grief, like it's for the best, you'll have yes. another, you know, all these pretty dumb thoughts when you're in the middle of feeling bereft at a loss. Yeah, 
And I think, I mean, there were a, there were a few people that said those things, but because um, I think we're not taught how to talk to people when they're in crisis or when they're mourning. And, you know, everybody's go-to is, oh, you'll be, you'll be better. Like, you'll it's for the best. It's okay, everything, Pat, Pat, Pat. Yeah, everything <laughs> happens for a reason or something like that. And, like, that's probably the worst thing that you could say. And I learned... <laughs> You know, if I if I gained anything out of that situation, it was that like I learned that sometimes all you really need is just to sit there and let the person cry on you. And Absolutely. sometimes that's all it is. And let them say and, and I hope you'll share some of the song in a second. Just let them say that it's a loss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let know, them, let it, them feel. it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest takeaway from that is like when people are in pain, let them let them have their pain. I'm not suggesting that you let someone continuously wallow in pain, but like that in that moment, sometimes the best thing you can do is just be silent and just be there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I had a lot of those people. I had a lot more of those people than I had the other. And because of that, I'm still standing. So that's a blessing yeah, for sure. That is, it's a huge blessing. Would um, you share but, some of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so the first verse is, um, "You were gone before I had a chance to prepare for your arrival. It was over. It was final. People saying that it's for the best." And I'll get over all the sorrow, but I'll never let you go. You're in my heart, you're on my mind. Oh, the soul knows no tomorrow, so you're with me all the time. In this life, we're made to shine until we disappear. But I see you in the stars because you here. I feel certain I'm going to be sharing that song with clients who have experienced the loss of, uh, of a pregnancy because that um, what, what I find is so difficult for people in, in any kind of loss, but particularly... Um, that loss, I think, if you have to cut off the relationship, mm-hmm. because you're right, that's still that's still someone inside of you that you thought about and connected to and made connection with, and it, I, to me, it doesn't end. So that's that's what I hear when I listen to the song. Yeah, I mean, like, so the song is called "You Were Here," Sage's song. Like, I, I we had named this baby. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I just didn't feel good about like, well, it's just a little nameless embryo that didn't, wasn't viable. Like I just, I, that didn't sit right with my soul because yeah. in, inside of me, I, I love this, I love this baby. Like it was Grace or Nova. And so this baby deserved a name. This baby deserved all of my love and, you know, all of, all of my care. So yeah, it it deserved the acknowledgement, at least the acknowledgement. 
It really touches me how much relief you felt after you created the song. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I said earlier to you, I think that music has always been a form of therapy for me. Writing has always been a form of therapy. And I, I tend to be very honest <laughs> um, in my writing. I appreciate writing. that very much. <laughs> I, like, it's good to be around people who do that. <laughs> yeah, I, like even more so, even at times in my life where I had trouble with the truth, like saying the truth to people, I have never been able to lie in a song. Mm. And um, so anytime you hear anything that I have created, it comes from a place of complete and total vulnerability and transparency. And yeah, I, I just, I can't, I don't know where else to create from. Like, I don't know how to create and, and not be honest and not be open. So yeah, I, I, I felt it and it, and it, it was stuff that I couldn't say. Cause I felt really bad, like talking to my husband about it all the time because it was his loss too. It was his baby too. And I didn't want to talk to my daughter about it, obviously, cause she's nine and, um, <laughs> So, and I didn't want to be calling my girlfriends all the time so that they're, you know, reliving their traumas. And so the best way I knew was to sit down and write it. So well, I go right along with you on that one. You know, music's my primary, believe it or not, <laughs> the primary way I have of, of dealing with grief for myself. I want to really thank you for being here today. I hope people will, you know, Check out your music at ReeseePalmerMusic.com. I hope that they will go find your um, your radio show on Apple Radio. And uh, I hope I keep hearing about what you're doing. I really appreciate you being here today. No, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Like, this, is, this has it's, been really wonderful. It's, it's wonderful what you do. <laughs> Next week, I'll have Rose Anderson, the author of The Heart and Other Monsters, it tells the story of her sister's drug addiction, her death, and Rose's grief. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 